The greatest film saga of all time and the greatest film music ever composed come together in a spectacular live event. Star Wars in concert. A full symphony orchestra, massive high-def screens, original movie models, props, costumes, and production artwork from the Lucasfilm archives. Oscar-winning John Williams' classic musical scores. Combined with unforgettable cinematic moments from the Star Wars movies. Relive the saga as never before. Star Wars in concert. Hello everyone, this is Rico and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. That little uh, clip I played for you there was... uh, Sort of a little promo for uh, just an amazing concert show that I saw yesterday in Milwaukee, uh, Star Wars in Concert. I'm going to talk more about that, uh, kind of review it and just say how totally awesome it was. <laughs> it was just great. Uh, everyone, every Star Wars fan should definitely see it if you get a chance. Uh, today is uh, July the 11th, 2010. This will be podcast 287 for Treks in Sci-Fi. This week, uh, we're going to look at uh, Star Trek sidekicks, I'm calling it. Uh, My friend Mark, I think, suggested this a few months back uh, to sort of look at some of the uh, lesser-known characters in Trek uh, history and lore from the various series. Basically, uh, these would be recurring characters, not the main stars, of course, of the show, but characters we've seen like in more than one episode. A good example of this would be uh, Q which we will definitely be talking about. So that is uh, on store and on tap and all that good stuff for today's episode. Uh, And, you know, some other things, too, I'm sure uh, we'll talk about along the way on Treks in Sci-Fi. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Her mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before.
Again, welcome to the show, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Just come, uh, thought I'd start with some general announcements. Uh, try to do this every now and then. You never know who's new that's listening to the show, but if you want to learn more about the podcast, the main website is treksinsci-fi.com. Please join the forum. We have a lot of great members, uh, a lot of fun over there. Just go to the main website and you click on the forum link. Uh, there's donation links there. Also, emails to the show are always uh, sent into treksf at gmail.com. Treksf used to be the kind of the original uh, URL I used, and then I eventually got Treks in Sci-Fi, and now everything redirects to that site. So let's um, kind of unusual way to start, get the business sort of out of the way of that kind of stuff. Oh, what I probably want to talk about first is uh, the Star Wars concert, uh, and uh, it was just incredible. I, I, I can't say enough of how great it was, how much I enjoyed it. Uh, I a little bit of background. This is this show has been going on across uh, the United States. I think into Canada, a few stops there, uh, and I think that's about it. I don't know if it's been overseas anywhere. I don't think so. But basically what they do, it's it's a full orchestra that travels the country and plays Star Wars music with a, a huge screen and effects and lasers uh, during the show that uh, they play various pieces from, uh, obviously, John Williams' music from all the movies, along with uh, showing scenes and clips from the films. Uh, you'll hear little voice bits from the actors during certain sequences. A lot of times it's not. It's just a, it's just the scene with music set to it uh, going along with the uh, the orchestra and what they're playing. And uh, the other cool part about this whole show is Anthony Daniels, of course, play, who played C-3PO, uh, is a sort of a narrator. He'll come out and introduce each little piece of music. And the, the way they structure the whole show is it goes through the, the whole Star Wars saga from... They start with the uh, prequels. They do it in sort of order, I guess, of the of the real history of uh, Anakin Skywalker and all that. So they start with the prequel movies and then move into the original trilogy, of course. And uh, it was just incredible. I had a great seat. Uh, I just went by myself. Uh, it was up in Milwaukee, which was about, a, I guess, about an hour and a half drive or so. Not a, not a bad drive at all. Nice drive. And nice, nice city, nice uh, area up there. And, and Milwaukee seems like a great town. I'd like to go back and visit some more. But I was sitting, I think, in row five, uh, dead center. I guess the advantage of buying only one ticket, and I only bought it a few days ago before I went, is uh, that uh, you, you can sometimes grab those little, you know, a seat here or there that end up being left when people go in groups and, and couples and all that stuff. So I, I, I was just dead center, main floor, five rows back or whatever. And I, I know when I was first in there, I was a little concerned, you know, oh, maybe it's going to be a little too close, a little too loud, hard to see certain things or whatever. But I, I think it was just right. Uh, a few rows back would have been fine, too. But I, I loved being up that close. It wasn't too loud at all. Uh, you know, some concerts, well, it's been a long time, but I've been to a few in in the past where you walk out of there and you can't hear practically that's ridiculous but these guys have the sounds and, and everything tuned so well it, it was just great and and it it's just i don't know there's something about it that was so kind of like cool and different seeing uh, the scenes from the films with just music and, and music has always been so you know critically or critically that's uh, just so important and so uh, much a part of the star wars movies that I think this just makes you feel like you're you're watching like almost the whole saga again, even though they're 
doing it in, I guess there was maybe about 14 or 15 different tracks, different pieces they played. And they blend clips, you know, sometimes from different parts of the trilogy, not necessarily with the, the old, you know, the music that they're playing, like they might play uh, a bit of, um, you know, the prequel music, but slip in a few little clips from even the original trilogy and the other way around, too, just to sort of blend the theme. And, and one of the things, a few things that I really noticed is how much they tried to... Uh, tried to blend in you know Anakin being Darth Vader and Darth Vader being Anakin that whole thing they would flash back to uh, him as a boy sometimes when they were showing a lot of the original original trilogy stuff and I, and I thought that was very effective I you know I, I have to say they they did a great job collecting the clips and, and what they showed and how they put it all together it was just just fantastic there's one intermission during the show for about 15 or 20 minutes, I think, which was kind of a nice little break, actually. I, I'm not usually big on that. I like to just, you know, I wish they'd just plow through and do the whole thing, but I think it kind of re-energized the crowd a little bit, because after the intermission, they were even more into it, uh, I think, and it was it was great. The audience really enjoyed it. I'd say it was, this, uh, it was in the Bradley Center in Milwaukee, uh, which is a big sports arena. It can hold a lot of people. I think it was probably, I, I went to an afternoon show. They were going to do an evening performance, too. I think it was probably, well, maybe like three-quarters filled, maybe a little bit more. I put some pictures up on the forum and on my Flickr account. Just go to Flickr.com, F-L-I-C-K, no, no, K-R, whatever it is. Yeah, K-R, sorry, no E. And I wish they would have never done that. It's kind of ridiculous. Anyway, my uh, uh, it's Flickr.com slash TrekSF if you want to see some photos from the event. There's a lot of videos I found, too. I didn't really know this before, but... You know, they put up all the, you know, don't take video during the show or audio or any of that junk. I, I snapped a few pictures just with my camera phone during it. but And also in the exhibits, they have some costumes out in the lobby area outside of the, uh, you know, the where the actual performance goes on. Uh, nothing really spectacular there. I, I thought it was a little, uh, well, I've seen a lot of that stuff before in other places, so... Uh, but, uh, you know, they say don't take video, but I saw a lot of people with, with cameras and, and iPhones and other video recording equipment taking stuff. And if you go to YouTube and search Star Wars concert, you can practically watch the whole show. And there's a few that are pretty good quality that have, people have taken some HD footage uh, up there. And I, I still highly recommend you go out and see the show yourself if you can. And just go to I think it's called StarWarsConcert.com. You, you can find the URL, and I'll try to put it in the podcast notes there for this week. But if you get a chance, this this thing is well worth it. You will you will just love it. And uh, oh, and if you like to buy stuff like T-shirts and programs and things, take a lot of cash with you because gosh, that stuff was expensive. I didn't I didn't actually buy anything, which was kind of a, a little unusual for me. But it was like thirty five dollars for a T-shirt. And, and I, I don't know. I just didn't didn't feel like doing that. I guess, but uh, it, it's just a great show. Anthony Daniels was great. Uh, just I, I just keep saying that. Great, great, great. Just fantastic. Can't say enough. Love to go again sometime if that ever comes up. Uh, I, I might do it if I get another chance and it's in a place I can get to. So um, Star Wars concert. Go see it. The Earth belongs to the Nereza. And only one hope remains. Project Eden. An ocean and thousands of miles infested with monsters separate the companions from their last hope for salvation. And all the while, an unseen hand guides their every move. 
After the dawn comes the morning, but with the light comes the inescapable truth. The human race needs a miracle. Martians Are Here podcast, available on iTunes and through themartiansarehere.com. All right, a few uh, Trek-related stories to pass on to you. Looks like Chris Pine, of course, who played uh, Kirk in the uh, Star Trek movie from last year, is a busy guy these days. He's got he's working on uh, doing some theater uh, this summer on stage in the, the L.A. area. He is also uh, seems to be picked to play Jack Ryan. You know, Tom Clancy's uh, hero from the books, who's been played by Alec Baldwin and Harrison Ford and Ben Affleck. It looks like he may be doing another, there may be another film with him playing uh, that character of Jack Ryan from uh, the, the Clancy books, uh, which I think that could work. I, I, I've read a, a fair number of those books, and I think that might be a good idea. So he seems like he's a pretty busy guy right now these days. Also, there's a little talk about J.J. Uh, Abrams, uh, that uh, he's working on this, of course, this movie called Super 8 uh, that's supposed to be a throwback to uh, movies kind of from the 80s and that kind of era. Uh, that uh, There's been sort of, a, I think, a, a sort of an odd trailer out. Uh, people thought it had something to do with maybe Cloverfield again or something related to that, but no, it's, this is a totally new uh, idea and everything, and he's going to be working on that. Uh, there's also he's still got a lot of you know connections to television shows. There's a new uh, drama that's coming on about a pair of uh, married spies uh, that uh, it sort of looks uh, similar to his Alias series that's going to be coming on this fall. Uh, and I'm trying to remember what the name of that is, but you, you know you can find it. I forget the I think it's on um, Fox or NBC. I have to check again. Uh, I'll probably check after the break and let you know. But what else does he get? Oh, the big thing that I want to say about J.J. Uh, is that there's rumors going around that he may direct or at least work on or produce or something along those lines a uh, big screen film adaptation of, of the very popular uh, musical Wicked, uh, which uh, my wife Lynn really enjoys. She's seen it a couple of times. I've seen it once, loved it a lot. It, it's very cool, uh, and uh, whether, you know, for film, I guess, I guess it could work. Uh, you know, they've done that before. You know, sometimes films get turned into into musicals or, or, or plays, and the other way around sometimes it'll happen. Uh, but uh, that might be pretty neat. And, well, they, what did they do that with? The Wiz, I remember. That was, I think, a, a, well, there was a movie, The Wizard of Oz, of course, the books, and then it was a musical, and then the musical went back and it was turned into a movie. <laughs> he, you know, with Michael Jackson and uh, I think it was Diana Ross played uh, Dorothy in that. Uh, but anyway, that is uh, what's going on in the world of Trek. Uh, what else did I want to say? Oh, one other thing. I did see, uh, I've seen a couple of movies in the last week or so. Actually, I've seen three movies, I think, since I've talked 
uh, been able to share that. I saw the last Airbender last weekend. Uh, Mark and I saw that uh, when I was back in Michigan on the 4th of July, actually. I thought the movie was pretty good. It's been getting some, I don't know, fairly negative reviews. I, I don't know the the last Airbender. I was never a fan or, or a watcher of the anime series, so I have no idea if it follows that well or not or what people's problem. I mean, I know some people are saying it's kind of somewhat stiff and you don't really care that much about the characters, but I, I didn't really find that, at least personally. I, I thought it was pretty interesting and the effects are neat. Uh, it, to me, it was a summer kind of movie, an action-y movie. Uh, I don't go for, for a whole lot of deep meaning and, and, and that. I just thought it was fun and, and I enjoyed it. Uh, and M. Night Shyamalan, or however you say his last name, I, I thought he did an okay job. You know, the poor guy, you know, he starts out, out of the gate with doing that movie, The Sixth Sense, which was fantastic and an amazing movie. And I think he's done some good stuff since then. But, you know, he's got such that that big shadow looming over him. It seems like everybody just always wants to say, well, it wasn't as good as The Sixth Sense. But, you know, what? I, I don't know if he'll ever be able to top that. Who knows? So. What else have I seen? I saw the uh, Toy Story, Toy Story 3, which is just a great movie. A very, you know, just... They, they do such a... Pixar does such a great job with that stuff. You know, it's the the animation, the way they use the different toys, the story. You know, they play with your emotions. It, it's just... I don't mean play in a, in a, in a bad way. I, ju- I just mean, it, you know, you get wrapped up in the movie emotionally which is the way a, a good movie should be, I think. Uh, but I, that was great. And I also saw, I, I took a little bit of a shot at this because, you know, again, I, t- I try to go see films and make up my own mind. And if there's something that looks like it's got the kind of story or people or, or a combination of things that I'll enjoy, I, I'll go. Uh, I went to see Night and Day with Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. Went just a few days ago to see that, actually. And I, I was pretty impressed. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. If you enjoy Tom Cruise's uh, work in the Mission Impossible movies, I think I think this movie is somewhat like that. It's a little lighter uh, in tone, a little more lighthearted, but still a lot of stuff goes on, a lot of dangerous uh, scenes and situations he gets into. I mean, he's sort of playing a spy. I'm not giving away anything. Uh, you know, you can see all that from the trailers. They go to some exotic locations. I, I, I thought it was pretty good, and I thought the two of the pairing of him, uh, you know, Cameron Diaz with with Tom Cruise in the movie worked pretty well. Uh, they uh, they seem to work together and enjoy themselves. And Tom Cruise, even for all of his sort of uh, you know strange personal life and things that have gone on with him, I still think the guy really has uh, what it takes to 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 do a movie and do it well. And 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 it just there aren't a lot of other actors I think in his category and and, and age that can do what he does. Uh, and as well as he does it, so uh, you know, I, I I enjoyed it. I, I I really enjoyed, especially I enjoyed the last Mission Impossible that he did, the um, the one that J.J. Abrams directed, the last one. I thought that was really good, and I hope they do another. I, I've heard some things that they're a little concerned this movie hasn't been doing the greatest at the box office, and they think that may impact or affect whether, when, and if they do Mission Impossible four. But I think that's still going to happen. So, uh, you know, go check it out. Again, if you like uh, Tom Cruise, if you like the Mission Impossible films, this is very much in that realm and, and genre. So I think you'd like it a lot. Uh, you know, just, you know, take a chance and, and don't always pay attention to uh, movie critics. There, I, I think just the name movie critics means they're 
they're a lot more critical than maybe your average uh, person would be. Is that right? Is that wrong? I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. I just I had a good time, got my money's worth. I thought. And uh, what else? Oh, there's a bunch of stuff that's coming up now. I haven't seen Predators yet. I want to see that. I'd like to see Despicable Me. Uh, this Friday, this week, I think we have, to me, maybe one of the most exciting and interesting original movies for the summer. I'm going to definitely go next uh, weekend probably to see it. Um, that's Inception by uh, Christopher Nolan, who did The Dark Knight and the other uh, Batman Begins, directed it. It's just it's a cool concept about entering people's dreams and, and stealing information that way. And all, you know, they haven't really told us a lot about it, but it, it just sounds like a, such a great original concept. You know, I've always been fascinated by dreams. I, I, I tend to have fairly vivid dreams every so often, and you know, a movie that uh, enters that uh, sort of realm and, and, and discusses and, and gets into that, I, I think would be very cool to see. So I'm really looking forward. That's probably my, uh, you know, top pick for the rest of the summer, even of what I've been kind of waiting for and, and want to see quite a bit. Uh, there's a few other things, of course, still coming. Of course, we have the Expendables with all the action stars in August, which I'll probably still go see anyway, even though I, I, I do have a feeling that's going to be kind of silly and a bit ridiculous. But, um, hey, Sylvester Stallone, I don't know. He, he still looks pretty tough to me, so uh, I'll check it out. But uh, going to take a short break, and I think then we're going to get into the, the main topic. We're going to look at Star Trek uh, sidekicks, or we'll call them Star Trek uh, recurring uh, semi-recurring characters, uh, but uh, after this uh, quick break. This is Commander Uhur of the Starship Enterprise, a.k.a. Nichelle Nichols, wishing you the best of the best through eternity. All hailing frequencies are now on hold. Thank you so much. Okay, uh, let's get into this. A Star Trek uh, sidekicks or Star Trek secondary characters. I don't know if the term sidekick really works. You know, sidekick is, I'm not sure where the term first came from. I think about it when I, since I'm a comic book fan, sidekicks in comics are like you've got Batman and Robin is his sidekick. You know, you've got, uh, why am I blanking out on other sidekicks in, in, in partnerships in comics? I don't know, I'm blanking. <laughs> Anyway, the uh, I guess you got crypto for Superman, although he's had you know the Supergirl, but it has to be more of a team thing. So sidekicks for Trek, it, maybe the term doesn't really fit. The idea was to look at characters that we we've seen, not just a guest star. Not I couldn't obviously you know every episode has got like a guest star in it. You know that that's been on a, a one shot episode. I'm talking about characters that have appeared at least in a couple of episodes. Hopefully more than that, but but even some I think I'm going to be talking about have maybe only shown up in a couple of episodes, so that I think is important. The nice thing, a couple of things I discovered as I was sort of getting some clips together and, and, and doing this, of uh, there was a fair amount of overlap. You know, you know, Q is the big example. I think uh, once TNG started, you know, Q's popped up. I I think the only Trek series, well, he wasn't obviously on the original series, but he was of course. TNG. He was in, introduced on TNG. He showed up on Deep Space Nine. He showed up on Voyager. He didn't never showed up on Enterprise, which I guess that makes sense. That you know, they, since that was a prequel series, it would have been difficult for them to slide Q in there. You know, they they they, they did try really really hard 
to get you know different aliens in there that they you know really probably should have left alone maybe like the Ferengi ended up on Enterprise but anyway uh, Q would be a, a good example of what I'm talking about here and we're going to be covering him of course uh, as we go I've got a few clips to play from listeners that have sent them in which is always great love that and, and I'm going to I think I'm going to sprinkle them through where they uh, seem appropriate throughout this discussion and what I thought I would do is go in order of series so let's start out with the original series of course being uh, the nearest and dearest to my heart. I mean, I love all all of Trek, basically. But, you know, the original series just, you know, grew up on the rerun. So, But they are not, you know, one of the probably greatest series for recurring characters. You had the main actors, uh, and sometimes you could even say Uhura and, and some of those other main, main cast ma- members were recurring because there were episodes you never saw them. There were definitely episodes where they were just there and didn't even say much. Uh, but I'm going to stay away from the what I you know you call the main seven in the original series. Uh, but we will talk about uh, and start off with Nurse Chapel, of course, played by Major Barrett Roddenberry. Uh, well, not Roddenberry at the time, just Major Barrett. Uh, she, of course, started in the original pilot, The Cage, as number one. She was basically the first officer. Uh, she had that role. You know, she was. Uh, I guess getting friendly with Gene and whatever, but <laughs> anyway, she played really in the original series, Nurse Chapel, always sort of pining over Mr. Spock and, and, and you know, kind of loved him from afar and, and, and all that, but she had some good episodes. Uh, she really was featured quite a bit in the episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of?, which is, I think, one of the, probably one of the a few of the first season of TOS that I haven't covered yet. I don't think I've covered that episode. I have to do that sometime soon when it comes up kind of in the rotation. But but Nurse Chapel, uh, a, a great a character. You know, Dr. McCoy always, of course, having to solve a lot of things. And Nurse Chapel was always there and helpful with, you know, a hypo or, or, or whatever. And always definitely uh, when Spock was in sickbay, she definitely was hanging around quite a bit and here's a little clip of that uh, from uh, one of the early episodes of, of star trek the naked time where is dr mccoy he's gone to the lab 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 respond please spock here lab Mr. Spock. Mr. Spock. The men from Vulcan treat their women strangely. At least people say that. But you're part human, too. I know you don't. You couldn't hurt me, would you? I'm in love with you, Mr. Spock. You, the human, Mr. Spock. The Vulcan, Mr. Spock. Nurse, Christine, please. I see things, how honest. I know how you feel. You 
you do have feeling. Oh, how we must hurt you, torture you. I'm in control of my emotions. The others believe that. I don't. No, I love you. I don't know why, but I love you. I do love you. Just as you are. Oh, I love you. Sorry. Captain is en route engineering, Mr. Spock. Can you take the bridge? Acknowledge. I am sorry. Christine. Yeah, of course, you know, that was this, you know, this episode where they were all being infected with this disease. It sort of broke down their inhibitions, and she professes her love for Mr. Spock. And it's it's a good time, or a good time. <laughs> it's a good scene, and, and, and she did a great job. Uh, it was it was kind of sad. I, I don't know, it seemed like later in the series you didn't see her as nearly as much. Uh, they seemed to use her quite a bit in, in the early season. But in season one, season two a bit, but, you know, it just kind of, she kind of got slipped, slipped away a little bit or, or as time went on. But uh, it was cool to see her in the movie. She never really, unfortunately, had that much to do there. Uh, but uh, great character. And, of course, um, she also, that actress, of, of course, uh, Majel got to play uh, another great uh, recurring character who I didn't grab any clips from from her you know this was hard it's always hard to do when i cover a big subject like this to decide what to pick what not to pick but i'll at least mention uh some other characters too of course we had her she played loaxana troy um counselor troy's mother on tng and she also showed up on uh, deep space nine as well as that character so uh, good stuff and, and a great actress and uh she is definitely uh missed these days uh played of course the computer voice on on like all the Trek stuff, especially, well, from TNG on, and the voice of the computer of the Enterprise. So next up, let's see, uh, the the next, uh, it was, again, difficult for the original series for me to come up with uh, characters like this. There were some amazing one-shot guest stars that uh, would have been cool to cover, like Trelane would have been a great one, uh, some of the Klingons like Koloth and Kor and all that. But the other one that I uh, definitely had to cover, he shows up in a couple of episodes, is Lieutenant Kevin Thomas O'Reilly of the Starship Enterprise. Pretty lady. I know he was a friend of yours. This must be a terrible shock. You know what Joe's mistake was? He wasn't born an Irishman. Thomas Riley of the Starship Enterprise. And who is this? This is Captain Kirk. Get out of the engine room, navigator. Where's Mr. Scott? I've relieved Mr. Scott of his duties. And now, attention, cooks. This is your captain speaking. I would like double portions of ice cream for the entire crew. Clear that too, will you? Yes, sir. And now, your captain will render an ancient Irish fate. I'll take you 
Captain, at our present rate of descent, we have less than 20 minutes before we enter planet atmosphere. And burn up, I know, Mr. Spock. Cut off the alert channels. Lieutenant O'Hora, you've interrupted my song. Uh, I'm sorry, but there'll be no ice cream for you tonight. Cut them off. I can't, sir. There's no way to do it. Attention, crew. This is Captain Riley. It, there will be a formal dance in the bowling alley at 1900 hours tonight. No way, Captain. He controls the main power panels. He can override any channel from down there. Yes, Lieutenant Riley. Ah, just a great character. Would have loved to have seen him pop up even more often on uh, the original series. Showed up in just two episodes, but so memorable in uh, The Naked Time and The Conscious of the King. Great uh, great actor, too. Bruce Hyde played him. He he did some television back in the 60s quite a bit. He's, he's still around. He's only 68 now. And he uh, it looks like he does, from what I could discover, Bruce, uh, who played Lieutenant Riley, uh, does a lot of teaching. He still acts in theater in different areas, uh, but uh, still uh, still involved in you know the acting world. Uh, just not on really on TV. He just didn't you know just stopped. So uh, like like a lot of people from that era, I think have, and uh, you know even from any era in acting. Acting is a it's a tricky field, but it looks like he still he teaches it at a college, and it still does theater work too. So Bruce, you did a great job, Lieutenant Riley, and. Um, now I'm going to play a clip from one of our listeners, from Brian on the forums, and his comments about uh, Star Trek uh, sidekicks. Hey Rico, it's Brian. Great sidekicks in Trek history. So I think of all of the secondary characters and guest stars that have been on all the Trek uh, iterations over the years. Characters like Nurse Chapel, Barkley, Q, Ensign Rowe. Uh, from Deep Space Nine, Ducat, and uh, Garrick, and uh, even Kai Wynn. Um, so many great characters and so many different uh, types of characters. But really, if you want to see a classic secondary character, look no further than Star Trek TOS The Naked Time. I'll take you home, Kathleen. Attention crew, this is Captain Riley. There'll be a formal dance in the bowling alley at 1900 hours tonight. Also, in the future, all female crew members will wear their hair loosely about their shoulders and use restraint in putting on your makeup. Women, women should not look like they're made up. And now crew, I will render Kathleen one more time. You cannot beat Kevin Riley. Thanks, Rico. Have a great show. <laughs> oh, that's great, Brian. Why did I think that you were going to talk about uh, Lieutenant Riley? I, I, I think if uh, you know TOS was around when uh, when you're this age and you, you they were filming it, that you would play Lieutenant Riley. He just seems to your personality. I don't know something about that. But anyway, uh, thanks so much for sending that in, Brian. That's great, and uh, you know. I know you're a big TOS fan as, as well, and uh, it's just, it's it's amazing to me still after this much, this many years, we're still talking about, you know, a series uh, from back then, and some of these characters that, that uh, we love still to this day, so that, that's just, that's fantastic, that's 
it's great, isn't it? This is great. Who who will be talking about shows like you know Gossip Girl and, and some of uh, you know uh, whatever else is on TV? Donald Trump's uh, you know Apprentice show and some of the junk we've got. Although we have some great TV on now too, so maybe to- TV like Fringe and stuff will still be looked at and talked about you know 40 some years from now i don't know maybe let's move on though i digress but i am moving on now okay time to get into tng uh this this show really had a a pretty good handful of recurring characters i've mentioned a few already luoxana troy uh counselor troy's mother don't have a clip for her i think brian mentioned one that i also didn't get any clips for uh ensign Rowe, played by michelle forbes who has gone on to do some great stuff on, on battlestar galactica she's shown up as a guest star in true blood but ensign Rowe, really cool character very interesting and uh, which could have been uh, actually ended up on uh, deep space nine but she chose to pass and they ended up with kira uh for nana visitor then uh, but anyway, that's kind of a digression also, too. But that great recurring character there in the later uh, years of TNG. But the main one, there, there's a couple. There's probably two here, the main ones that I really want to talk about. Uh, the first one, of course, I've already said a little bit about Q, played by the, just the fantastic John Delancey. Uh, just a great actor. I wish we would see him more. He showed up a little bit on uh, the TV series Breaking Bad, which I love. And it did a good... just. You know, his usual fantastic job there. He's kind of a dad uh, character and, and, and just really good. He was only in a few episodes, unfortunately, but love to see him more. Anyway, he played Q on TNG, who we get to meet in the very first pilot episode of the series. Uh, he's this super being. Everyone knows, you know, he's omnipotent and pretty much, I mean, he can just do anything he wants. And the Enterprise runs into him. And, and there's a great relationship that's formed sort of both friendly and foe and adversarial a little bit but but also sort of a little mutual respect between picard and and q that runs throughout uh, tng and he he shows up uh, for for a good number of episodes and, and is always fun always makes the episode just that much more interesting and fun to watch and here's a clip uh, featuring q and uh, uh i think mostly q and picard here from tng q and this moi what makes you think I'm either inclined or capable to terminate this encounter? If we all die here, now, you will not be able to gloat. You wanted to frighten us. We're frightened. You wanted to show us that we were inadequate for the moment. I grant that. You wanted me to say, I need you. I need you! Seven zero, mark six three, sir. Back where we started. That was a difficult admission. Another man would have been humiliated to say those words. Another man would have rather died than ask for help. I understand what you've done here, Q. But I think the lesson could have been learned without the loss of 18 members of my crew. If you can't take a little bloody nose, maybe you ought to go back home and crawl under your bed. 
It's not safe out here. It's wondrous, with treasures to satiate desires both subtle and gross. But it's not for the timid. The Continuum didn't think you had it in you, Jean-Luc. But I knew you did. You're saying that it worked. We collapsed the anomaly. Is that all this meant to you? Just another spatial anomaly, just another day at the office. Did it work? Well, you're here, aren't you? You're talking to me, aren't you? What about my crew? <laughs> the anomaly, my ship, my crew. I suppose you're worried about your fish, too. Well, if it puts your mind at ease, you've saved humanity once again. Thank you. For what? You had a hand in helping me get out of this. I was the one that got you into it. A directive from the Continuum. The thought about the helping hand, though, was my idea. Oh yeah, really, really good, and I just like the 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 repartee and the and the and the back and forth between him and Picard a lot. I, I think that uh, worked real well. I, they tried to pull him into and do some stuff with him on Deep Space Nine, but I don't I don't think his character worked as well with with Cisco. Cisco was a little more, I think, a little more just not not somebody you could mess around with like he was messing around with Picard. And I don't know if that's because Picard, uh, even though Jean-Luc was supposed to be French, it, it's this sort of British-ish kind of a character and actor. It just it just worked well with Q for some reason. Um, let's see. Uh, let's go on to another uh, recurring character. And actually, I think I do have three from TNG. The next one, of course, we have to talk about is, is Barclay. Barkley, uh, played by Dwight Schultz, who was on the A-Team as Murdoch, and, and just a great character actor, always, again, does fantastic stuff. And I think that's another thing that makes a lot of these characters, for me, really work and very memorable, is the actors that they chose, the, you know, the, the casting and the guys who picked these people, just did a, a, an amazing job. They really picked people that fit the character, I think, well, and, and it worked very uh, effectively. To, uh, to really work enough and well enough. You know, these have to be characters that are interesting enough and liked enough that they bring them back for a few other episodes. So we've got Barkley, Lieutenant Broccoli on TNG. I look forward to your report, Mr. Broccoli. Barkley. If you will excuse me. Metathesis is one of the most common of pronunciation errors, sir. A reversal of vowel and consonant. Bark to brock. I'll make it easy for you, Commander. I will request a reassignment. And then I'll wait Look, we both know. The whole ship knows. I... I just can't cut it here. Hey, Barkley. 
I've spent a few hours on the holodeck too, you know. Now, as far as I'm concerned, what you do in the holodeck is your own business, as long as it doesn't interfere with your work. So you're you're not going to tell anyone about this. I don't think everybody would appreciate your imagination like I do. It is kind of unusual recreating people you already know. Well, it was just... I needed to blow off some steam because one, one, uh, one of the officers had been getting on my back. Let me guess. <laughs> it was you. And I, I just couldn't tell you what I wanted to tell you to your face. So it just sort of got out of control. I don't know. There's a, a part of this that's kind of therapeutic. Maybe you ought to talk to Counselor Troy about it. It's, it's, it, I, when I'm in there, I'm just more comfortable. You, you don't know what a struggle this has been for me, Commander. Well, I'd like to help if I can. Being afraid all of the time of forgetting somebody's name. Not, not knowing what to do with your hands. I mean, I, I am the guy who writes down things to remember to say when there's a party. And then when he finally gets there, he winds up alone in the corner trying to look comfortable examining a potted plant you're just shy barkley just shy sounds like nothing serious doesn't it you can't know yeah, so we have Barkley. Uh, one thing I really liked about Barkley uh, and Dwight Schultz' play, portrayal of him is, is and, and they tried to do this, I think, a little bit also on TNG when they had that Lower Decks episode and, and a few other things that came up along the way. And it showed up on some of the other series, too, Enterprise a little bit, Voyager a tiny bit. But what I'm getting at is, you know, Star Trek, just like a lot of uh, shows and series, they always have to have such very, you know, kind of perfect and heroic and just just top top notch characters. Really, you know, are are the main people you're following. Of course, who would want to follow the guy that that you know flunked out of Starfleet Academy or or just isn't isn't quite like Spock and, and can't recite you know pie to a million places and 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 Kirk who can make command decisions and get out of situations on the seat of his pants. I mean, those are great characters, uh, uh, you know, fun to watch. Those, those are the ones you really want. You know, they're hero types. But you've got Barkley, who's just kind of an everyday kind of guy. He's out there on the Enterprise trying to do the best that he can. He's kind of shy. He, he, he messes up. He's distracted by the holodeck. He's doing things that maybe some of us might do if we were really in that situation. You know, people will say, well, what character of Star Trek are you like? Or most like, or who do you identify with? Um, I don't. I'm not saying I think I feel like I'm like Barkley, but there are, I think, so many of us and so many people that that's really the kind of person we would be, you know, in that in that time frame. I, you know, I, I I could easily be like that. I I I, I don't always necessarily want to be the, the the top player. I'm not. There are people I think in life that tend to want to be, you know, 
in charge and have that kind of drive and initiative. And I and I have to admit, I, I don't always have that. There are things that I really do get interested and passionate about, but a lot of stuff and 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 sometimes it's just whatever. It doesn't work out. But again, what I'm saying is, Barclay was a way for them to pull into and say, look, not everybody in in the 24th century are are just perfect. They don't have you know the perfect physique and hair and 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 record uh, with Starfleet or whatever other organization they're with they're 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 the every man or every woman so I, I I like that a lot and I wish they had done that just a little bit more on some of the series I think if they ever do another Trek series I would like to see that a little bit more often I'd like to see more than just the top dogs always you know getting getting the spotlight and I think they've worked at that pretty well you know, even when you have a main cast, and I know some of the comments that I've got from people, and I think I'm going to play one after I'm done here babbling for a few minutes. <laughs> but, you know, the even some of the, what I would call, you know, you've got the main people, you know, you've got a, a main cast, like some of the series like DS9 and Voyager, you know, had a fairly big main cast, even TNG. But you've still, even within that, you've got three or four people that are the the people you see every week, the captain and so forth science officer doctor maybe maybe not always the doctor but you know what i mean each series had three or four that you would see very regularly and then you have like geordie or 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 whatever that you wouldn't see maybe as often but i still don't consider them really sidekicks i was looking more for people outside the main cast but with that in mind i am going to play now a comment from uh peter from brompton boy on the forums and his comments about star trek and sidekicks Hello, Rico. Hello, everybody else in the Trex and Sci-Fi community. This is Pete from Philadelphia, also known as Brompton Boy on the forums. Uh, Rico, I wanted to leave a message, a brief comment about uh, sidekicks in Star Trek. Uh, you were, you put out a request for comments, and uh, and here is mine. I actually, I was kind of going back and forth in my mind for a while over who would be my favorite sidekick, and I I narrowed it down to. The two, and I ultimately rejected one of the two. I, I wanted to talk about Cyrano Jones, but then I didn't really think he was a sidekick. So I zeroed in on everybody's favorite, or rather my favorite, Taloxian and sidekick Neelix from Star Trek Voyager. Uh, he's always a character that uh, he always made me laugh, always up to something, always cooking something special in his kitchen, uh, always waxing poetic and pursuing one interest or another, and seems to have a real zest for life that I appreciate and admire and uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite episodes or scenes with him was in a, a Voyager episode I, I believe it was called Prophecy although I'm not really quite sure but there was a uh, an aggressive uh, a handsome looking Klingon woman who was after Harry Kim and uh, <laughs> Neelix Neelix decided to uh, take her off of his hands so to speak and run interference for poor old Harry who didn't know how to deal with this aggressive Klingon woman and he staged uh, he staged uh, kind of the embarrassment of of Harry in front of her eyes, and she right away transferred her affections towards Neelix. And Neelix looked at her with such great anticipation and was rubbing his hands together in, in delight as he anticipated what was going to happen. And we only see the aftermath of poor Neelix covered with scratches and bruises and, and uh, Tuvok complaining about how their room, which they were sharing together at the time, got completely torn up. So uh, I hated to see... Neelix go uh, and uh, leave the crew at the end, but uh, he's still one of my favorite characters. Rico, uh, thanks. Uh, 
Looking forward to hearing this episode and hearing about some of the sidekick favorites of all my uh, other Treks and Sci-Fi board members. And uh, I'll talk to you later. Thanks again. And remember, there is no sanctuary. Well, thanks, Peter. Thanks, Brompton Boy, for your comments uh, about Trek sidekicks. And you mentioned Neelix. Yeah, I, I still, again, he may be not quite a, a, a what I was considering a sidekick. He's kind of Ethan Phillips uh, played him and is in the regular cast credits. But you're right, though. He, you don't see him nearly as much. And he's a little more of a regular guy. He wasn't in Starfleet or the McKee. And they picked him up along the way, this Talaxian uh, trader, and uh, trader with a D, I mean, and and uh, and he and he does, he has, you know, certain times where he really shines and comes out and and helps things out a lot. So I like that. And so again, thanks so much for your comment, Peter. And let's move on. I've got actually one more TNG. We've done Barkley Q. I've got one more quick one to cover, and this is uh, Kalar. Um, Kalar, is that how you say her name? Yeah, Kalar. Um, Worf's, uh, Worf's woman. Worf's woman. <laughs> anyway, here's a clip with Kalar and uh, Worf, I think. And Susie Plaxon uh, is playing uh, Kalar. Hello. Ugh. Well, you're back early. He made me leave. Maybe. You should go to your room and play. Is he under arrest? He knows nothing of our ways. Our ways? You mean Klingon ways, don't you? He is Klingon. He is also my son, and I am half human. He will find his own ways. Why the sudden concern? You won't even acknowledge that he's yours. Why did you not tell me? And what would you have done? That's right. You would have insisted that we take the oath. Just as tradition would demand. You should not have kept this from me. Well, now you know. I cannot acknowledge my relationship to the boy. It would only harm him. Because you were dishonored? As my son, he would also bear my disgrace as would his children. But why did you accept discommendation from the High Council? My father was accused of collaborating with the Romulans at Kittimer. I know, and I also know that you challenged it. Yes, at first. Ultimately, I withdrew my challenge. But why, Worf? I can't believe you just give up. What really happened? Lieutenant Worf, Ambassador Kalar, report to the bridge. On our way, Commander. So there you've got a nice uh, scene. You, you get to meet uh, Alexander would be another sidekick extra character. Alexander, Worf's son, uh, also uh, son of Kalar. And then you see her, uh, I think, two episodes. Is it total? Uh, she kind of gets killed, right? You know, so, uh, uh, but um, a good, good actress. You see her pop up a few times. Actually, I just covered an episode where she showed up in an episode of Enterprise where she was playing an Andorian a couple of weeks ago. I covered that. Uh, and she was on a Voyager as a Q, wasn't it? I think, yeah. A female Q they had her on there. So uh, uh, very cool and uh, really a, a, a nice, strong character, a good actress. They got someone sort of tall and, and could kind of go toe-to-toe with Michael Dorn playing Worf. 
and uh, good stuff. And a nice thing again about Trek and, and TNG and the other series is you got a chance to see these relationships and the, and the family and friends of the of the different crew members. I just realized I forgot one from TOS that I really should have probably covered. Oh, there's so many now that I'm thinking about it and, and, and getting into the podcast more. Harry Mudd, who turned up in a couple episodes of TOS, played by Roger C. Carmel. Uh, just great actor, great job, and I'd love to see them do Harry Mudd again. In uh, You know who would be a great Harry Mudd? Maybe this has been mentioned on other places that I've, I've seen, but um, Jack Black, I think, would be a great Harry Mudd uh, in uh, the Star Trek films. If they pulled in, you know, it wouldn't have to have a big part, but maybe they just sort of meet, run into him in a tavern with a triple in his hand or something, uh, or doing something that would, of course, Cyrano Jones was the triple guy. But I, just Harry Mudd always had a little scheme or something that he was doing, and it would be cool to see that character again in uh, another Trek film sometime. So, all right, let's move on to Deep Space Nine. Now, Deep Space Nine, I would say, probably had the the best cast of sidekicks or recurring characters of, of any of the Trek series by far. It was the richest, the deepest, in a way, of character development and shows probably of all of Trek. They they used them a lot. Uh, I, one just really pops to mind that I didn't get any clips from. Uh, Vic Fontaine, played by James Darren, would be just... Uh, you know, one of the great uh, you know characters on Deep Space Nine, and just showed up for a handful of episodes. Uh, but there are again, there are so many. Uh, you have um, Barile, uh, you have Kira's Barile, uh, Vedic. Why am I why I'm blanking out? Uh, you have him show up a few times. You have Kai Win, somebody I think is either a clip that I've played so far, or maybe one coming up. Uh, and and of course you have uh, the one I'm really two of them I want to cover I think that I got here clips for like I said there are lots and lots of them but the the, the biggest one on Deep Space Nine for me and I've talked about this recently too on the podcast is Garrick uh, played by Andrew Robinson just great actor great character so interesting loved his little lunches and 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 talks with uh, Doctor Bashir and just really interesting and multifaceted. He's this spy, he's a tailor, he's got this clouded backstory and history that we don't really ever fully learn about. Just such a cool character and so just so interesting every time and so much fun to watch on screen. So here's a little bit of uh, Garrick from Deep Space Nine. Dr. Bashir, isn't it? Of course it is. May I introduce myself? Uh, yes, yes, of course. Now, my name is Garrick, a Cardassian by birth, obviously. The only one of us left on this station, as a matter of fact. So, I do appreciate making new friends whenever I can. Now, you are new to this station, I believe. I am, yes. <laughs> Though, though, I understand you've been here quite a while. Ah, you know of me, then. Would you care for some of this Tarkalian tea? It's very good. You what? A thoughtful young man. How nice that we've met. 
You know, some people say that you remained on DS9 as the eyes and ears of your fellow Cardassians. You don't say. Doctor, you're not intimating that I'm some sort of spy, are you? I wouldn't know, sir. Ah, an open mind, the essence of intellect. As you may also know, I have a clothing shop nearby, so if you should require any apparel or simply wish, as I do, for a bit of enjoyable company now and then, I'm at your disposal, Doctor. You're very kind, Mr. Garrick. Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple Garrick. Now, good day to you, Doctor. I'm so glad to have made such an interesting new friend today. Uh, someone should do a study. A study? To try and figure out why some people can't bring themselves to trust anyone, even if it's in their own best interest. Why is it no one ever believes me, even when I'm telling the truth? Have you ever heard the story about the boy who cried wolf? No. It's a children's story about a young shepherd boy who gets lonely while tending his flock. So he cries out to the villagers that a wolf is attacking the sheep. The people come running, but of course there's no wolf. He claims that he's run away and the villagers praise him for his vigilance. Clever lad. Charming story. I'm not finished. The next day, the boy does it again, and the next two. And on the fourth day, a wolf really comes. The boy cries out at the top of his lungs, but the villagers ignore him. And the boy and his flock are gobbled up. Well, that's a little graphic for children, wouldn't you say? But the point is, if you lie all the time, nobody's going to believe you. Even when you're telling the truth. Are you sure that's the point, Doctor? Of course. What else could it be? That you should never tell the same lie twice. Very, very cool. Uh, it's interesting how the, I think in that early part of that clip was the first meeting between uh, Dr. Bashir and Garrick where he kind of introduces himself in Cork's bar to him and it, it, it's so cool to see how much uh, that Bashir, Dr. Bashir, has sort of grown, too, with with the show and the series. And he starts out this sort of scared, naive kind of doctor. And then later, o- over the years, he becomes a lot more savvy. And I, I think Garrick had a lot to do with that. And, and I think they learned a lot from each other. And, and I like the fact that they paired the two of them together. Really kind of an odd couple in a way. Uh, Garrick just so much more world weary and knowledgeable and Bashir just the kind of the opposite of that this bright-eyed optimistic doctor that goes out onto deep space to help you know save the galaxy and just a cool pairing great idea and uh, fantastic character so we also have Dukat uh, you know the the main bad guy Cardassian that you really run into and he, again he has a, a very rich history throughout Deep Space Nine he's kind of He's kind of a bad guy, but he also seems to have some redeeming qualities. He has this 
adversarial relationship with many many of the people on uh, DS9, Cisco, and Kira, and even uh, Garrick. And here's a clip uh, with the two of them, uh, Dukat and Garrick, going at it. So listen to this. The Klingons. Why would the Klingons invade us? According to my sources, the Klingon High Council believes that Cardassia has been taken over by the Founders. That's ridiculous. Is it? Garrick, you have got to talk to Sisko. Tell him he has to find some way to stop the Klingons. Cardassia has enough problems right now. You're having trouble keeping the civilians in line? How do you know about that? I'm afraid that since the fall of the Obsidian Order, Cardassian security isn't what it used to be. Yes. Shame about the Order. I suppose there won't be much demand for your services anymore. Looks like you'll be hemming women's dresses for the rest of your life. We can stand here all day reminding ourselves just how much we hate each other, but you don't have the time. The Klingon fleet will reach Cardassian territory in less than one hour. I suggest you prepare for them. Yeah, good stuff. And, and again, uh, like I said uh, earlier, DS9, uh, just a great, great bunch of, of recurring characters. You see Q pop up here. You see, uh, what else? Uh, just, just lots of people. Lot, lots of them. Kai Wynn, uh, just, just very interesting character as well. And, uh, and of course, there's the whole founders. When they pop up, uh, you see them a lot. Uh, you see the the Vorta and uh, just I could go on. It could be we could do a whole podcast about just Deep Space Nine sidekicks, but we can't do that <laughs> at least not right now. Next up, let's do let's get into Voyager. Now Voyager is a, a trickier proposition and a little little harder to to deal with. One of the issues with Voyager was, of course, they're voyaging and coming back home. They're they're always traveling towards Earth. So it was hard for them. They really couldn't have, you know, a lot of recurring characters because it didn't make any sense unless they happened to be already on Voyager for them to pop up. You know, um, Peter talked about uh, Neelix and, uh, you know, a secondary character, maybe not exactly a sidekick, but the I came up with still a couple of them for uh for voyager and uh, one well, one we've already talked about a little bit but i do have another clip to play with him is the character of q q of course being able to pop wherever he wants to to and do whatever he wants can of course show up on voyager very easily so they paired him off on there with janeway quite a bit and, and they're a good situation there because the two of them kate mulgrew and john delancey are friends in real life and so they had some good sparring going on between them. And so I'm going to play this clip here. And I think some of this in, in this clip is uh, Kate talking about a little bit about John Delancey because some of this is from sort of behind the scenes on one of the DVDs. So listen to this. I'm afraid that I haven't been sincere. When you first asked why I wanted to have a child with you, I made jokes bragged about my prowess, engaged in sexual innuendo. I was using all that to cover up my true feelings. And I suppose you want to share your true feelings with me now. I want someone to love me for myself. I guess what I'm saying is, I want a relationship. 
I just thought if you and I had a child, it would give me that kind of stability and security that I've been missing. Sorry, Q. <clears throat> I'm not buying it. Mad. Lunatic. But again, this is true of all great actors. They become absolutely wonderful in the moment that they must work. And um, incredibly disciplined, which is Delancey. And he could work till you just dropped. He, he really could. And he has that, uh, when you're that naturally funny, he's full of surprise, very unpredictable. I've done, what, four or five episodes with him over the years. We've had fun. We've been in a bathtub together. You can imagine. There's very little I haven't done for him or with him. It's time to be going. The old ball and chain really hates it when we're late. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, so that's cool, and 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 the, that was a, a fun episode. You know, again, John Delancey, Q, just great stuff, and and him with Janeway was was very fun to watch. I, I just realized as I was playing that for you though that I, I I've goofed up. Well, sue me. <laughs> no, don't really, because I don't make any money off this anyway. But um, <laughs> the I had one other character that I wanted to talk about related to uh, both Deep Space Nine and TNG, and that's the character of Vosh. Uh, played by Jennifer Hetrick. Uh, she is, uh, showed up, of course, originally first on TNG, on the one where Picard goes to Risa, and she popped up also on Deep Space Nine. And here's a little clip with uh, Vash talking to Quark, uh, and, you know, Quark's basically saying eh, they have a lot in common and uh, trying to kind of get her to do something. So uh, listen to this. What with your knowledge of the Gamma Quadrant and my business connections, we could make a fortune. Sorry, Quark, but I've slept in my last tent. I'm looking forward to a nice, quiet life back on Earth. You won't last a month. You're like me. You live for excitement, adventure, and profit. Not anymore. Would you care to make a wager on that? The graviton field has increased by 60%. How soon can we begin the sensor sweep? Not until we've increased tritium levels to one part per million. Okay, so sorry about that, uh, you know, going back to doing a little more on Deep Space Nine. And now our, uh, uh, yeah, right, and then we're into Voyager. So, uh, and I don't think you saw Vosh on, on Voyager ever, right? Yeah, I don't think so. So, we talked about a little bit about Q showing up there on Voyager, uh, there were a few things like aliens, like Species 8472, but I, I'm not sure you can really call that. That's a little tricky uh, to to cover and, and to get clips from. But they show up in a few episodes. Uh, eventually, of course, you have Seven of Nine coming in, but she's more a lot more than a recurring character. She becomes part of the main cast, so that doesn't really work. But the other one that I was going to talk about from Voyager was Seska, who is this... Uh, sort of turns out to be not so nice and uh, she's involved with Chakotay and and shows up and, and kind of gets in league with the Kazon and some of the early early seasons and uh, becomes kind of a little bit of a, a recurring bad bad guy or bad person bad woman uh, showing up throughout uh, a few episodes for Voyager and uh, I think her the actress is Martha Hackett yeah that's how I think that's her name Anyway, uh, this next clip, then I'm going to play a little bit of her. I think you'll hear some of the actors talking about Voyager 
as well uh, again some behind the scenes stuff from the uh, Voyager DVDs. Back off. Or what? You'll shoot us? Go right ahead. Whatever you say. Poor Catherine. I guess nobody told her the phaser rifles from Storage Locker 3 have been malfunctioning. You're an incredible woman, Seska. I think that was, uh, you know, a neat part of it, too, and you didn't know what was going to happen next, and you remembered. And even when I had been off the show for a season, and, you know, we pretty much thought Seska had disappeared, you know, there she was. She came back to haunt them in a very clever way, I thought, uh, and they brought me back as a hologram. And that's something the fans, you know, appreciated, and, you know, it was kind of fun to go back to that, um, bring all those storylines back up again, so... Is there anyone else who wants to challenge my authority? Isn't their loyalty inspiring? I happen to be fond of it. And I think when you work on Star Trek, in any capacity, you're part of television history. Because the shows, they're close to a lot of people's hearts. People have watched them. The mythology of Star Trek has certainly affected feature films. It's part of science fiction history. So... It's fun. Okay, uh, that, yeah, Seska, interesting character. Uh, I, I liked it, uh, liked her uh, and her portrayal. I, she didn't do as much for me as a lot of the other characters. I, I thought she was a little, eh, just, just kind of hard to, to accept. And, and Chakotay seemed a little, I don't know, he, he seemed a little wishy-washy sometimes with, her, with regards to her, so... But anyway, let's move on. Uh, I'm going to take a little break myself from talking, uh, but I'm going to play uh, Meds uh, from our forum, and he has a, a comment about Star Trek and sidekicks that I think you'll all enjoy hearing. So here's his comments, and then I'll come back and we'll, we'll wrap this up with a uh, look at a couple of recurring characters from Enterprise. So take it away, Meds. Hi Rico, this is Meds, otherwise known as Hawkeye Meds from the Checks in Sci-Fi forums, or of course Meds, the presenter of Waffle on Podcast. Uh, you did a, a show on sidekicks, what a, what a teaser of a thought that is. Um, I had to sit down and have a good think about um, who I'd class as a sidekick, and I immediately ruled out anybody from Star Trek Voyager, purely for the fact that it's a, a very small cast and I all play prominent roles, uh, apart from probably Harry Kim, because let's face it, he was rubbish. So uh, I'm going to think of the other Trek series. Um, I'm going to discount Enterprise purely for the fact I don't really know the series. I've only just started watching it because um, uh, it's being repeated here in England. Uh, and I'm going to discontinue TOS as well purely for the fact, again, a little bit similar to uh, Voyager, that all the main cast uh, have prominent roles. Uh, you only have to look at the films to see that they all play uh, quite uh, important roles, although, you know, it's mainly, I suppose, when you think about it, Kirk, Spock and McCoy, but ultimately it would not be a good uh, original TOS Trek film without the likes of Scotty, uh, Chekhov, Sulu or Uhura. Um, so let's look at TNG and Deep Space Nine. Um, I'm a pain. I've got four 
Um, uh, the, one is Colm Meany, uh, uh, the actor um, who plays Chief O'Brien. He was in TNG and, of course, went on to DS9. Uh, I really like Colm Meany as an actor. He was brilliant in The Commitments and he was just awesome in the film Layer Cake, uh, which is the film that got uh, Daniel Craig noticed for the portrayal of Bond. Uh, in Layer Cake, he's quite a dark character and shows another side to him as opposed to the character he plays in The Commitments. In, uh, in Star Trek, in the Trek universe, of course, uh, Miles O'Brien, is a very laid-back uh, character, very, uh, I suppose, stereotypical Irish to a certain degree. But it's his, it's his bouncing back between um, Julian Bashir and um, and uh, Elenin uh, Garak that kind of like shows how good a character he is. He also brings a certain sense of realism uh, to the Star Trek universe in being married and having relationship problems, uh, arguing with his wife. Uh, wife. Uh, he gets hit with uh, bouts of jealousy and stuff like that. The other couple of characters I just want to mention are uh, characters who are hidden behind masks. Um, doing acting, um, it's always easy when you've got no makeup on, uh, or, or because you have your facial expressions to pull off any portrayal that you do. It's like the reason why it's quite hard doing uh, audio acting, because you have to rely on your voice to do all the work. So when you're behind a mask, you really do need to pull out all the strings to uh, do a great performance. So let's face it, go on. Now everyone knows Gowan is purely through his eyes, but it's because he, the, the actor, uh, Robert O'Reilly, does it so well. Um, when he looks at you, he, he's got that horrible uh, mesmer stare that uh, you, you think he could really do you some damage. Um, the other one is uh, Guldekat, uh, played by uh, Mark Alamo. He's just brilliantly evil, and I love the Cardassians. They're one of my favourite races in Star Trek. Um, there's just something about him that there's a vulnerability to him, but also you know he's a nasty piece of work, and ultimately he's downfall with the breakdown that he has. Uh, it's just brilliant acting. But the main guy, the main actor, the main sidekick that I want to rate as my number one, the person who I just love to watch, is Garak. Uh, Andrew Robinson is a fantastic actor. It's funny, I was watching, um, not by choice, it just uh, happened to be on TV, uh, Murder, She Wrote the other day. It was an episode from 1994, and Andrew Robinson is in it. And I always remember Andrew Robinson as Scorpio in uh, Dirty Harry. It was one of his first films. And he was brilliant in that. He was scary. He was, uh, he was, he did lots of research based on the real Zodiac Killer. And he brings that over to Galak in Deep Space Nine. There's something about Galak that... You can't help but like him, but he is the most um, dangerous man, I think, personally, in the DS9 universe. Because he's an assassin, he has many contacts, he would kill without a second thought, yet he makes very nice clothes. So, go to a nice tailor, and you're bound to find that he'll have someone done in for you. Um... Uh, yeah, I, I just love Garrick. I think he's a fantastic actor. Uh, Andrew Robinson, fantastic actor, and Garrick is a fantastic character. So I'm pricing Garrick as my number one psychic character. Can't wait to hear the show, Rico, and uh, thanks for letting me join in. Cheers. Well, thanks very much, Meds, for your comments and, and uh, in, you know input. Always great to hear uh, from you, and everyone should be wa listening to uh, Meds' uh, podcast called Waffle On. It, it's fantastic. You'll love it. Uh, talks about some uh, really cool stuff all the time on there. Uh, yeah, Garrick, Garrick's just great. Andrew Robinson, like you said, fantastic actor, wonderful, and very rich character. They really, really did a good job of using him and rounding him out. And 
I, I, I suspect that he could very easily have been just slipped into part of the main cast. He was, he was really on there a lot in, in, in some of the seasons. And I think uh, it's just, it's just great to he- see him. I'd really love to hear him. He's one of the actually few, I think I've not seen uh, at a convention and hear him speak. So I'd love to see that sometime. And speaking of that, um, a little side thing, and then we'll do enterprise here for a couple of uh, minutes. I, uh, I would say right now, we're, I want to talk a little bit about Star Trek uh, Vegas, uh, the convention that's coming up just in a couple of few weeks. Uh, I think it's the, the the first weekend, first full weekend of August, like 6th or 7th or whatever. I'm right now not thinking it's very likely that I'll be able to go. It, it's for a variety of reasons. Uh, uh, a lot of them are related to work and the situation here currently, but uh, I wanted to get that out. I've had uh, people asking a little bit. I know there are some guys going on the forum, but what I do want to say is that I think there's at least uh, I think there's at least three or four right now that I know of that listen to the podcast uh, that I've I've have contact with that are going to be there from uh, you know um, friends of Treks and Sci-Fi. Let's just say. So what I wanted to do is. Um, Maybe I could coordinate through the website or the forum, you know, a, a place in time for you guys to meet up, take some pictures together, and that would be very cool. Maybe you can get a little video or audio or whatever. You know, you'll be there. It's up to you. But uh, anyway, what I want to say is uh, send me, uh, you know, some ideas for how you want to coordinate or do that, and I will be happy to post it up on the main website, on the forums, and try to set up some way for you guys to connect up with each other. So I know there was a new guy uh, that's, I don't think he's on the forum, Jim Wong, who listens, who sent me an email the other day. And uh, Jimmy, if you're listening to this week's podcast, join the forum so you can coordinate because I know there's a few guys going to that convention out there. There's still a, a remote possibility I might be able to make it. I, I'm, I'm checking on a couple of things, and I, I, I will probably be able to say for sure next week one way or the other if I'm going to do it or not. But Anyway, I wanted to put that out. Okay, sidetrack over. <laughs> sidetrack over, back to sidekick talk. Uh, the next uh, uh, c- you know, series we need to talk about is Enterprise. Enterprise didn't have really a lot of recurring characters that weren't part of the main cast, but, but there were a few. Uh, the biggest ones that, that spring to mind are uh, the Vulcan Soval, uh, who is sort of like Tupal's kind of boss. Uh, and uh, you have Shran, of course, one of my favorites, uh, the Andorian, who we've talked about recently, too, on a podcast. So we've got a clip here of actually the two of them together when uh, Shran gets a hold of Saval, trying to get some information from him, and he's got him in this little machine that's uh, bad for Vulcans because it breaks down their emotional control. So listen to this uh, scene with both uh, Saval and Shran. I can't. Sorry, not yet. I'll tear the antenna from your skull! If this interrogation continues, your suppression system could be permanently damaged. Tell me what I want to know! Aren't you enjoying this, Commander? Have you imagined having me in this chair many times? That's not far from the truth. But after our rather lengthy peace talks, I came to trust you. And trust me now. You would never betray your people. I'm trying to save them! Where is your fleet? Do you know the story of Narak? What? 
He was a soldier who lived a long time ago. He was standing watch over the gates of the city of Gaul. And he saw a cloud on the horizon moving toward him. He thought it was a sandstorm, so he told no one. It was an army. They destroyed the city. But they let Nirak live. His name now means fool in our language, just as yours will in Andorian. Yeah, that's it's 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 a little hard to to listen to that scene. Pretty nasty what they're doing to him, and uh, especially since I had a lot of respect always for Shran, played by Jeffrey Combs, and I and I still do. He was he was trying to get information that he thought Saval had, and and Saval is of course played by Gary Graham, who was in Alien Nation. Both both of those guys did always a great job. But anytime they turned up on Enterprise, uh, really cool to see them. Lots of other clips I probably could have grabbed and played. Um, the last uh, recurring sidekick type character who only showed up a little bit on Enterprise is uh, Elizabeth Cutler. Now, uh, Elizabeth uh, Cutler, crewman Elizabeth Cutler on Enterprise, showed up in four episodes. Uh, she was played by the late uh, uh, Kelly Waymeyer. Uh, was a really sad situation. She was only like 36 years old, I think and had a heart uh, problem and, and died uh, just uh, not that long ago, a few years back. She actually would have been in more Enterprise episodes they had planned for that, but uh, she passed away, unfortunately, suddenly. So, uh, But but her character, again, uh, Elizabeth Cutler, the thing I liked about her, she would go on some of the away mission. She was an entomologist on, on the Enterprise, and kind of like a Barkley character, not quite as stumbling and as shy and all that. She seemed to have it kind of together uh, more. But but again, it was fun to see someone who wasn't one of the big shots, you know, Archer to Paul and all that, uh, getting some time and, and, and showing that, hey, these, these starships need a lot more people on them to keep everything working. So here's a little clip uh, with uh, crewman Elizabeth Cutler aboard Enterprise. I can eat that stuff. It's healthier than that. Huh. At least this tastes like something. I guess it just takes a more discriminating palate to appreciate Vulcan cuisine. <laughs> Do you know there were over 5,000 subspecies of termites on the Rackus Prime? Mm. Anybody hear about this? Not a word. I wonder if somebody lives here. There's a lot of plant life. It might be an oxygen atmosphere. What do you think? There's contact? I don't see any cities or agriculture. Maybe they live underground or in the water. Is that snow on those mountains? You think the captain would make an announcement or something? I'll call him. To Paul. 17th. Yeah, really good stuff. That's the uh, that is uh, part of the episode "Strange New World." The beginning of it when they are uh, nearing this planet that looks very Earth-like, and she gets to go on the away mission, go down to the planet and all, and collect some samples and stuff like that. So, uh, very very sad though uh, that she had passed, and and that's 
you know, probably one of the reasons I wanted to cover. But Enterprise, you know, again, they had a few. They had some Vulcans. They had Admiral Forrest, uh, uh, who who was great, and and just some other characters, but not a huge number of, of recurring characters. Nothing like on Deep Space Nine, uh, where we just had so many. That is about going to do it. Wrap it up for at least me. I have a, a comment now and a song uh, from Rick Moyer about uh, sidekicks. But I, I just wanted to say it, it's a big subject. I'm sure there are characters that I didn't talk that much about or miss. But those were some of the highlights that I wanted to cover and uh, for the podcast. Uh, and you can always send in comments. I try to announce what I'm talking about, so I, it was great to get those. But here is one more of those, and then I'll come back and wrap up today's podcast. This is our buddy Rick Moyer, who has graciously spent some time creating a new song uh, along the theme of sidekicks and Trek. So here he goes uh, with his comments and song, and I know you're all going to enjoy this. So take it away, Rick. Hi, Rico. This is Rick Moyer from Aberdeen, Washington. Moyer777 on the forums and the host of Taken With You, my podcast. And I love your podcast. It's so much fun. I'm so excited that today, I always say this, but I'm always excited about what you do because I love your show. But today, you were covering all these different reoccurring characters and sidekicks on Star Trek. And, you know, this is what makes Star Trek so rich and thick and chocolate. Um, I'm just saying, it is so amazing how they picked some really great characters and built some great stories around them and brought them back into the story from time to time. All through all of the Star Trek franchises, we have characters that we've come to know and love. And I'm not going to talk a whole lot more because I did a song. Remember the Jake Giles band when they did um, Love Stinks? Well, this one is just for everybody at Treks and Sci-Fi. This is called Sidekicks, right here. On your podcast, Rico, Treks in Sci-Fi. Sidekicks. Sidekicks. 
Again, I, I don't even know what to say after I hear what you come up with, Rick. It's just fantastically amazing. I, I, it's just—it's hard to follow that. I, I should just end the show and not even talk again, but I've got to because I—I I, I feel so bad because you mentioned so many other characters, and I thought about some of them, and some of them I even completely forgot about. Like for example, Guinan. Uh, how could I forget Guinan from uh, Whoopi Goldberg? I guess because maybe she was just on. She almost seemed like part of the main cast, you know, and and that I maybe I went a little lesser with some of these than than I should have. And Naomi Wildman from Voyager, uh, you know, Seven's little friend that that taught her so much, I think. But anyway, thanks so much for your song. There could have been. Th- th- this is a huge subject. Maybe I'll do another one of these, another follow up sometime. Probably be good to to cover some of the characters I kind of. Uh, overlooked a little and uh, but I did cover the ones you know things that popped into my mind and, and, and the ones I really enjoy quite a bit uh, from the various series that was the other thing I probably should have maybe just done it okay next generation sidekicks and then next week on Treks in Sci-Fi we'll do Deep Space Nine sidekicks it, maybe that would have been better sprinkle through throughout the uh, podcast uh, history and then I could have devoted a little bit more but yeah, you live and learn, and I think it still worked out. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, next week on the podcast, I believe this is on next week's schedule for the show, uh, I think uh, a subject that a lot of people are going to enjoy, and maybe some people who have not even seen it yet, but I'm going to cover Firefly and the movie Serenity, but probably mostly focus on the series. I mean, the movie came out, you know, a couple hours of a movie versus, what did they end up with, 14, was it, episodes total of this series? That people just love now and well not going to talk too much talk all about that next week please i know a lot of you are firefly firefly fans 
Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Firefly fans. So send in your audio comments to treksf at gmail.com, and they will definitely make it on next week's podcast. So that's it. Everyone take care. I hope it's not too, too hot where you're at. You've at least got some air conditioning to stay cool, which I've got about ready to turn mine on here in this bedroom where I'm recording right now. Uh, It's getting a little toasty here in Rockford right now today, like it has been for like the last two months. (laughs) We have not had any relief, really. It's uh, 90 every day, every day 90, woo or just about 90, maybe give or take a degree or two, plus or minus, but but anyway, and then in in the second floor, well, I've talked about that. It's hot. It's summer. What do you want? What do you want? I'm going to go have some lunch, come back and edit this and get it uploaded. So uh, everyone, take it easy. Thanks so much for the comments and song from Rick and everything you guys do. It's much appreciated. And uh, if you're not a forum member, join up. Uh, We've had a few new members recently, and and that's great to see, and I'd love to see more. Uh, That's always good. And and sometimes we go through trends of that. You know, We'll get a few members and then none for a while and then a few more. And, And if you're someone that was on the forum, the other thing I'd like to say because a few old posts have sort of resurfaced lately. But if you were on the forum and you haven't, you know, been on there in a while, uh, come on back. Say hi. You know, just tell us what you've been doing. And uh, I am planning on also tweaking the forum and making some changes. I've been doing some tests lately. So we're going to make some improvements uh, and uh, make it look a little different, I think, soon. So uh, you've got that to look forward to, too. And hopefully I won't break it. (laughs) No, don't worry. I won't do that. All right, everyone, take care. Uh, go see a movie. Go see something even if you think, uh, oh, Rotten Tomatoes only gave it an 80. Well, not an 80. That would be good. Rotten Tomatoes only gave it a 22%. Hey, go make up your own mind. It's probably worth your 5 bucks anyway to see it. So go see it. Uh, take care, everyone. Talk to you again soon. Bye. You've been listening to the weekly podcast, Treks in Sci-Fi with Rico Dosti. For more information, visit treksinsci-fi.com. Join the forums at treksinsci-fi.com slash forum. Dr. Beverly Crusher, I would appreciate an explanation. Yes, you should. Do you have a comment, a suggestion, or a question? Email Rico today at treksf at gmail.com. That's treksf at gmail.com. How much do you think that tells me about your character? Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly podcast with geeky goodness and entertainment news. Copyright 2010. All rights reserved. I can assure you that I'm not given to casual relationships. Yes, you should. Bye.